0: went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us! The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting to receive some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized that he was the same, he was the lame beggar who they had so often seen at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity, and he addressed the crowd People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? Well, lots of things, Peter. And why do you stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who's brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one, and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact, that through, the, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. So the other day, I was uh, just walking in the house, and the Lord said to me out of nowhere... Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And I said, hmm, that's interesting. So I began to set myself to try to figure out why is God saying this to me? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In Jesus' name, get up, walk. And I started to think about this. You know, the man was there thinking that his problem is that he's lame. That's always gonna be that way, so his solution is money. And I had this thought. Man, if we were there, we would've done a fundraiser. To help him, I'm not kidding, just to pay, because we care about people. We would try to do a fundraiser or something to help pay for his medical expenses, not because we're idiots, but because we care about people. But Peter, who had no money, solved a problem with God's answer to a problem. Because the kingdom's never about what you don't have, it's always about what you have. And that the money that we would have raised for his medical care would be to solve a problem in the human, human ability that God's not solving, because he wants to solve a more foundational problem. And that when we apply human answers to problems that aren't really the real problems, we end up making Ishmael's. But the kingdom's never about what you don't have, it's always about what you do have. So Jesus says to the to his disciples, when there's crowds everywhere and, and the disciples are like, "We're out of we're like we're way far away from stores. We're 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 people are going to faint on the way. Like, what the heck are we going to do to feed these folks?" And Jesus says, "You give them something to eat." And they say, "We don't have anything." And he says, "Look closer. What do you have?" Because the kingdom's never about what you don't have, it's about what you do have. And so they find there's one little boy who brought enough food for himself. And then he takes that and he prays, and a miracle happens. And they have leftovers, because the kingdom's never about what you don't have, the kingdom's always about what you do have. Or Jesus goes off to pray by himself, sends the disciples on ahead. What he doesn't have is a boat. And somehow he still gets across the lake. Because Jesus understands this really clearly. It's never about what you don't have in this kingdom. It's always about what you do have. Of course, then they think he's a ghost and they freak out. And then Peter gets to walk on the water for a minute. Well, 10 seconds probably. And even then, Jesus isn't all that sympathetic to the unbelief. He says, why did you doubt we're like hardwired for unbelief and sympathizing with unbelief and patting people on the back when they do have unbelief. And he's hardwired for faith. There's this lesson, there's this, there's this looming pervasive lesson that if you're honest, if you're really honest, if you had to suspect what might God most be trying to teach me along life's journey a deeper lesson, something thing he's, he's wanting to land on each of us. The way that I would put it is this. Throughout all these seasons of my life, there's an aha moment that's supposed to lead to an aha life. And the aha moment is this. Christ in me is more than enough for the present moment whatever that entails because when that lands we're suddenly positioned to stand in faith in the present moment whatever that entails and participate in the bringing of the kingdom so you're standing in between the Egyptian army and what looks to be an impossible ocean. And Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the people are like, we're all going to die. And that they cross on dry ground. They don't have a boat, because that's fine. It's always about what they have. And then they're in the wilderness, Oh my word, we're going to die. 40 years. 40 years of still not learning the simple lesson that Christ in me is more than enough for the present moment, whatever that entails. 40 years for God to teach one simple lesson. You don't physically live by bread alone. and we thought it was a spiritual matter. Which is why Jesus, when, he, when, when his disciples, who've learned how to pray their whole lives, they've grown up as Jewish people, they've learned how to pray their whole lives, pray in the morning, pray before every meal, take the three times of prayer throughout the day, when somebody says, hey, it's time for prayer, one of them is three o'clock, the disciples are showing up. Because tradition's not bad necessarily, right? There's good tradition and bad tradition, Good tradition filled with hearts of faith becomes good. Though it's still not necessary. Bad tradition needs to be crushed. But these these Jews who their whole lives were taught how to pray, when they got around Jesus, they said, I thought I knew how to pray. I knew how to pray theologically correct prayers. I knew how to pray beautiful prayers. I learned what to say and what not to say. But when they got around Jesus, they said, I guess I don't know anything. Because he prayed with results. These folk know how to pray, but when Jesus prays, demons come out of people. We know how to pray, Lord, if it be thy will, but he like pulls people up off the ground. We say, Lord, help guide the doctor's hands with the laser surgery, with the eyes, and he says, see. See. Teach us to pray. We don't know anything. He comes out of prayer with direction. He comes out of prayer. Like, first off, where's Jesus? I don't know. He's annoying. We can't get a hold of him. He's turned his cell phone off. When we finally find him, he walks right past us and ignores the thing that we were looking for him for in the first place. Jesus, don't you know everyone's trying to find you? Yeah, I know. That's why I hid. I hid. I'm not interested in their agendas. I have a father who's speaking to me about his agenda. By the way, we're leaving. What? We just got here. Now we got to go to the other cities. That's what he said. Teach us to pray. He's not in a hurry. Hey, we just found out Lazarus is sick. We got to go. We got to go. This is a panic moment. Jesus, this is a panic moment. This is a panic moment. This is a panic moment. A panic moment. Don't you care? Well, he's just sleeping. Oh, he's sleeping. Well, then he'll get better. Uh, okay, all right. Peter, he's dead. Okay. why did you say he's sleeping? I was being euphemistic. Well, he's dead. Oh, my word, we got to go to the funeral. Oh, my goodness, you guys, seriously. Teach us to pray. The kingdoms of this earth are all about scarce resources. We're in a competition on the kingdoms of this earth for fame, for money, for importance, for love, for attention, for stuff. It's a scratch and claw, worry and fight and get ahead. Worry rewards you in the kingdoms of this earth. Will Willimon was teaching at at a college graduation and he talked about Matthew 6, where Jesus says, why do you worry? Why do you worry about your your clothes and your reputation and your food and all the things, why do you worry? Why do you freak out? You think your life consists in the abundance of resources and you think if you don't have money, you don't have peace. If you don't have money, you can't thrive. If you don't have money, you can't have abundance. And they were like, how else is there to be? And he's like, check them birds out over there. Check that field out over there. It's full of weeds and beautiful flowers. Yesterday I took a walk with Annie, who's more grumpy than usual which is why Carrie's not here today because she was up all night grumpity grumpy anyway took a walk with Annie and I was walking in between the tennis courts and there's these teensy little flowers everywhere on the ground so I laid down on the ground with my camera you know what I'm saying so I could like just get I can show it to you later if you care anyway nobody planted those flowers there's more clover than grass this is true but the Seaford School District did not plant those flowers. She was in the stroller, jogging stroller. I positioned her where she could see me laying on the ground, so she wouldn't be too worried. And Jesus, Jesus just confronts this, this idea that there's, there's, there's limited resources, therefore there's comp- competition. Therefore, Hurry, urgency, diligence, human wisdom, and worry. So, Will Willimon speaks about this, mentions the teachings of Jesus, and says, You don't have to worry, stop worrying. And a parent comes up, dad comes up, or the father of one of the graduating girls comes up to him afterward and says, That was the dumbest advice I have ever heard in my life. Literally, worry is why I'm rich. Literally, worry is what got me up earlier and caused me to stay later. Worry is what caused me to work harder and faster. Worry is what caused me to get good grades in college. Worry is what causes me to get the sale and the other guy not to. And worry is what's gonna cause my daughter care, concern, diligence, and that thing in your heart that says, we gotta get this done. Worry and hurry are what is gonna make her thrive and, and compete well and rise to the top. And Will Willimon said, look, I don't know why you're getting so upset at me. It wasn't my idea, it was Jesus. If you got an issue with Jesus, take it up with Jesus. That's right. Which I think is a little bit of a cowardly move. But still fun nonetheless. I mean, like, why are you, why are you throwing Jesus under the bus? <laughs> I just find it interesting that in a context in which many of us are beginning to wear some stress about the finances of our church, the Lord's word to me was, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Apparently, apparently, whether or not we make our budget, we can minister a kingdom. Yes, we can. And the things that we're so worried about apparently don't worry him. Oh, this is not to say we don't have a part to play. Do you honestly think this man would have been healed without Peter's faith and participation? Peter had a part to play in this thing. Like the other week, Weston said, Lisa said, Jesus ain't going to pay the electric bill. Yeah. Well, that's not entirely true, is it? And what he meant was, Jesus isn't going to pay the electric bill without our cooperation. Amen. We, have a, we have a role. We have, a faith to, we, we have faith to carry. God, I trust you, so that what you entrust to me I'll I'll partner with you, right? We have a part to play, I think, was what Weston was saying because truthfully, Jesus has paid the electric bill for the last 40 years in this church and will continue to and he should get some credit for that but would the man have been healed without Peter? I don't think so. Would the man have been healed without Peter's faith? And my question to Peter, I have so many questions for Peter. Like, Peter, I know you were just a normal man. Like, what was going on that morning? Did you have a squabble with your wife over the kids or something? Were you in a state of faith as you walked over to the temple for prayer or was this thing taking you by surprise? Was there like momentum in your prayer life where you had seen a bunch of little prayers answered that caused you to say, you know what, this thing's real, this thing's on and was faith moving or was this like a a, a momentary faith that came on you when you saw this and compassion rose up and you said, the Lord's gonna do this right now. Because You know the boldness level? I heard Chris Gore say, that one day he was ministering in a church, and Chris Gore's got a kid that has a debilitating disease that hasn't been healed, and he stays up all night with her sometimes, caring for her. So he's got situation. He's got illness, debilitating, like l- chronic illness in his family that he's prayed and prayed and prayed and hasn't seen healed. But, but the same time he's ministering in churches, he says there was a lady in a wheelchair, and I said today's your day, sweetheart, and I pulled her right out, and she can walk. Now how do you work with that? Like how does that work in your brain? How how does this li- how does this, your own baby girl laying in a bed while you, how does this work with that at the same time in the same life? And how does this not cause your heart to be like, I don't care if any, I don't even want anyone else to be healed because this makes me so mad for my own sake. And he, he's not bitter. How does this work, Chris? How, does, how, do you, how are you able to hear the Holy Spirit say, today's your day, sweetheart, and pull her out? I have so many questions for Peter. But one thing I do know, the kingdom's never about what you and I don't have. It's about who we carry. Right. It's always about what we do have. Mm-hmm. There's this looming lesson. Whether, whether I'm talking about like my little sister who's, who's burying her baby and I don't, know, I don't have answers other than I know that God didn't do it and he's still love. That's right. Or there's a person in front of me who needs healing and I don't know how this works. I'm in way over my head or there's a person who's going through the biggest crisis of a relationship and everyone's heart's breaking and me too. Man, you know what ministry is? It's being way in over your head and knowing that if anything good happens, it happened through you, not from you. That's right. Amen. There's no one, there's no one in the world going to convince Peter and John to take credit for what, for what happened. Even though it probably wouldn't have happened without the cooperation. They're not dumb enough to take credit for what Jesus did. That's right because they're in so far over their head that what God does, he's going to have to get all the credit. That's probably enough for today. Father, we thank you that you are enough, that, that Jesus is enough, and wherever our point of lack, you have more than enough to meet that need. And we don't have to be constantly thinking, well, if I had this, or if that happened, or if I could just get, we don't have to worry about that, because you've got it and you're going to give us exactly what we need. And I thank you, not only are you going to give it, we have the ability and the authority to give that as well. So come on up if you need prayer. If you want a prophetic word, just come on up. If you're ready to go, you can go. If you want to sit there and just spend more time talking with him, you do that. It's up to you.